Over 100 years ago, there was a movement in many countries around the world, and most famously in the United States, of the prohibition of the sale of alcohol, which to celebrate the ending of prohibition of alcohol in 1933, two sons, August Jr. and Adolphus, decided to surprise their father, August Sr., with a gift of six draft horses hitched to a beer wagon to commemorate the repeal of prohibition of beer. They paraded down the streets of St. Louis, Missouri in the United States to probably a crowd of hundreds cheering them on as these six large, gorgeous draft horses pulled this beer cart down the street, realizing the potential of this beer cart and these horses, they went on a tour of the eastern United States. When they entered New York City, they had a crowd of thousands cheering them on as they went to drop off a crate of beer to the governor of New York at the Empire State Building. They then went on down to Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States, to present crates of beer to the president at the White House, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This team of horses has gone on to become probably the most famous representation of draft horses that we have in existence. Almost everybody can recognize a Budweiser Clydesdale today. Anytime they pull that famous red cart, this team of horses brings a smile onto the face of the youngest child and the oldest adult in every crowd they pass. These horses exemplify what many of those people don't know is the history of draft horses and where we are with them today. Many of them don't know how much we owe it to them for enjoying the quality of life that we have. It is because of them we are where we are today, and we owe it to them to know their story. And Secretariat being led, he is numbering... The horse. And the horse is the best thing in the world, isn't it? So I suppose one's always, I've always loved them, really, ever since I was a little girl. Everybody's in line, and they're off. And Secretary of the Way very well has good position. The love. Oh, I never thought owning a horse could mean so much to me. Secretary not taking the lead. The madness. What kind of a horse is that? I've never seen a horse like that before. Lightning now. He is moving like a tremendous machine. Their story. Mustang is more involved in the, in the early development of this breed than I thought they were, but they were. Welcome to Mad About Horses. Hello, I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. I've been an equine educator and scientist for over 20 years. And in today's episode, we're going to really focus on the gentle giants and tell their story and, and why, why, 
care about them because you really, once you understand the sweat, the grit, the trillions of pounds that they have pulled in our history in just the last 300 years has impacted us in so many ways that we don't even know. And so today we're going to celebrate them and we're going to talk about them. How strong are they? Where did the term horsepower even come from? Who is the biggest horse to ever live? And why are they as big as, as they are? If, if you can imagine the earliest horses that were domesticated stood 13, 14 hands. We have draft horses, the Anheuser-Busch Clydesdales, that stand over 18 hands. And I will return to them towards the end of the podcast. What makes a Budweiser Clydesdale a Budweiser Clydesdale? We will talk about that. But these gentle giants, these cold-blooded horses with these calm temperaments, are the largest horses ever to exist. There were not large horses out there thousands of years ago that somebody captured and domesticated. If you go back 4,000 years ago, pulling early carts, pulling chariots, there were horses in draft work, but not these massive beasts that we've seen in the last two, 300 years. So we're going to tell a little bit of that history you know, and where they are today, because these were some of the most popular horses back in the day. I mean, obviously you had millions of riding horses because we didn't have automobiles. And then out of the 60 million today, you're talking tens of thousands, not a million. Of the hundreds of breeds we have today, there's only about 30-ish draft breeds. So what happened? You know, where'd they all go? But to get there, we really need to kind of talk about the, the origins leading up to why we saw so many draft horses and then why they've regressed. And like I said, if you go back and look at using animals for draft work, the only comparable species we have is oxen, cattle. They are still used today throughout the world to do draft work. And that begs the question, why do we even need a draft horse if we have oxen pulling plows, oxen pulling carts? What's the need? Well, oxen were, were preferred draft animals on many farms in, say, the er early colonial times in Canada, the United States, Mexico, uh, parts of South America, and, and even Europe, they ate half as much as a draft horse, but they couldn't work as hard as a draft horse. And also, oxen are basically useless when fields were frozen, or think of those old dirt roads frozen. Even those cloven hooves had trouble grasping the ground compared to a massive draft horse with their large single hoof. So horses had many more advantages to oxen and they actually helped revolutionize 
leading up into modern agriculture where today we have tractors. But back then, oxen couldn't only work as half as hard as a draft horse. So there was this need as peoples migrated to cities and towns and villages, they gave up a farming lifestyle. They went to go work in a textile mill, say in Manchester in the United Kingdom. Or they wanted to go work at the docks in Charleston, South Carolina, or in New York or Boston Harbor. They left their oxen behind, got on their riding horses, and migrated into the towns and cities and, and villages. So you had this pressure, okay. If, again, imagine living back then. You had a farmer who could only produce so many bushels of corn per year using his oxen, but corn prices are really high. If I just produce some more bushels, wow, I can make more money and there's a need for it. We need to, to, to feed people. So there's incentives built in there to, to produce more food, but my ox can't do it, but this draft horse can. So you see this push for them and then you make and grow all this corn. You got to get it to market before it spoils. And I can't get and a slow ox to pull a, a cart all the way to town. But wow, this team of draft horses I have, these Belgian horses or Percheron horses or these very popular breeds, say, in the United States, will get them to market much quicker, right? And, or get them to the mills or get them to where they need to go. So this is where you see this push for these horses. A question I've always had early in my career when I started to, to, to really dedicate my life to, to animal science and, and then equine science, did draft horses originate from the knights of old? I always had this image in my head of this large knight on this large horse covered in armor with their joust or jousting tournaments or, or running down the fields, you know, with their big swords and things. And you come to find out, no, draft horses weren't anywhere near used as, as knights uh, back in the fields of old. Because there is this misnomer that knights needed these huge, massive horses to just barrel down into people, right? Or do what they did back, back in the Middle Ages, you know, six, seven, eight hundred years ago. When you look into the history of it, really... Knights used two types of horses. They had the destrier horse and the courser horse. The destrier was this large, powerful war horse, but nothing like an 18-hand Clydesdale or even a 16, 17-hand Percheron, which is to me the, the bodybuilder of, of all the draft horses, just muscular. And, and I'll talk about them here in a little bit. So they did have these destrier type horses. They were heavily bodied. But when you look at the data and the Museum of London's done research on this, those horses averaged 14 to 15 hands, which is up to 60 inches or 152 centimeters at the withers. So they, they weren't these massive, tall, big draft horses. They were just big, beefy, strong horses. And, you know, and then even thinking about it, looking into the, you know, the average male in Europe in the Middle Ages stood only about 5'8". 
so you can only imagine, I stand six foot five. So you can only imagine a knight of the, the day putting on armor, which just carries weight, then trying to mount a horse that you've got to stay on in the middle of a battle or something like that. Like a, a 17, 18, 19 hand horse is not feasible. Plus they're not as agile. They're not as fast as, as you're going to find out with your draft horses. So the, the, the knights of old did not ride draft horses. And then just to tie that up, the courser horse was their light riding horse. So it wasn't one they rode into battle, but maybe one they rode up to a battle and switched horses or you know, scouts or sending messages back and forth through town. So no, the, the draft horses don't originate there. They really can be traced back to a, a single horse type or breed, which is called the Black Horse of Flanders. This breed goes back to the Dark Ages, Middle Ages, so 500 to 1000 AD. There was this, this horse that, and black, bay, brown, that was taller, stronger, bigger, but not used by knights. It was a pulling animal for agriculture or pulling carts. Now, interestingly, the Black Horse of Flanders is extinct, but there is a breed of the time that still exists that many of you probably know or have seen, and that is the Frisian horse. Beautiful horse, the, the black coat, the feathering on the legs, which again, feathering is those long guard hairs that helps protect the, uh, the fetlocks and pasterns and, and hooves of horses, of these draft horses. But this is an old, old breed. So when you see a Frisian, you're looking back into history. It's like the Arabian. You know, for our riding horses, our Arabian is, is one of our oldest known breeds. Frisians for draft horses is one of our oldest breeds. They are not the black horse of Flanders. It was something similar. Now, Frisians today in modern era, there's two body types. Because some of you are going, wait, a Frisian? Frisian's like a warm blood, isn't it? Yes, and you see Frisians. You see Frisians competing in dressage and, and, and other events. There are warm blood type Frisians because they were mixed in with Andalusian blood for more of your riding types. But there still is in existence this Baroque type, older, cold blooded type Frisian. So they're one of the most unique breeds on the planet because they have, they can be kind of both a drafty horse and a riding horse. And, and, men, and that's why they're so popular. I mean, you know, you see them everywhere around the world. Getting back to the Black Horse of Flanders, this is like the father of all modern draft horses. And I'd argue mother too, because both the, the mares and stallions were important, but they are the originators of where we get into our draft horses today. They influence the size. So you see them much, much taller than a typical riding horse. 17, 18 hands. That's 68 or 72 inches at the shoulders. When I get to the largest horse ever at the end of the podcast, it blow you away how big that horse was. These horses weigh up to 2,200 pounds, you know, 2,000 pounds, so a ton on average. Average riding horse, your, your quarter horse can be up to 1,300 pounds. Your thoroughbreds, 11, 1,200 pounds. I mean, that's your, your typical riding horse around there. Some are a little bit lighter than that. Their temperament, that cold-blooded temperament that we've talked so much about. Bomb-proof. I use that term bomb-proof, meaning much bothers them. Imagine 
you're pulling that beer cart down New York City to thousands of people cheering you on, excited. Yay, we get to drink beer again. Those horses can't pull. They can't, you can't lose the team or people are going to get hurt or killed. So you needed horses that were very calm, but also for what you needed them to do. They, they, these, again, when you think about it, they gave everything throughout history since we've been using them on farms. They'd go out and pull that plow day in, day out. They would pull the wagons day in, day out for some grain and hay. And then you'd hitch them up the next day, and they'd do it again and again and again. That's why they, I, I, I just love and respect them so much. When we talk about the Black Horse of Flanders and, and its influence on the modern breeds, and I remember the very first time I met a draft horse up close and personal. And I was a young graduate student in California. And I'd walked into the barn after classes, and Dr. Rodick said, Chris, go get our Percheron mare. And I was like, whoa, we have a Percheron? No way. I've never seen one. Because she was doing some crossbreeding with her hackney stallion and, and with some of the, the local draft breeds in, in that part of California. And she pointed to the halter. We, we had our, you know, our rack of normal halters, nylon halters for our brood mares. And there was this massive, I'm not kidding you, massive nylon halter for this Percheron mare. She said, she's super sweet. Don't worry. You know, just, just go get her. And so I saw her in, in the paddock and I, and I went to go halter her. And my first impression, and it sticks with me to this day, because this was a while ago, how thick that neck was, how muscular she, she was so strong and she was the bodybuilding draft horse. And, and, and I've gone on to work with Belgian horses. I'm going to talk about seeing the Clydesdales up close and personal, and they are just so impressive. But I, honest to goodness, this was a horse when I looked at it and that neck. And I, I pet her on the neck and then brought her into the breeding shed and how calm she was. This was a massive beast, and, and she was a Percheron. And, and what I really love digging into the history is I didn't realize just how popular Percheron horses were in the United States back in the day. I found this really interesting old typed-out article called The Percheron Horse by Fred Walters that was published in 1902, and I found this in Kansas State. And he talks about the history of the Percheron horse. And what interested me was not so much, okay, Black Horse of Flanders. That is one of them because Percheron's from France and Flanders is northern France, Belgium, the Netherlands region. So that's like, you know, think of, of that part of the world. And I remember Percherons tend to have gray coats like the mare is. And I don't remember her name, but, you know, she just was a beautiful, beautiful horse. It was crossing the Black Horse of Flanders with an Arabian stallion that gave rise to the Percheron breed, which I found fascinating. So the gray Arabian Gallipoli was brought in the early 1800s to create this breed and then gets exported to the United States and becomes the most popular draft horse in the U.S. 
before World War II. It's estimated that 70% of all draft horses in the United States before World War II were Percheron horses. That, that factoid, I, I just astounded me. If you would have asked me, I would have said Belgian horses, Shire horses, some of the bigger ones. I, I didn't realize Percherons were that popular. And they, and they, were, they weren't as tall as, say, some of these other breeds. Damn, like I said, that strength. They were really strong, hardy, really just, they, they, talk, they called them the superb draft worker. And wait till you find out. Here in a little bit, at just how strong they were. We'll, we'll get there. There are so many other breeds, but you know why they were being pushed is because different parts of Europe were were breeding them during the Industrial Revolution. Like I said, that farmer had to produce more food to feed more people, and then transport it to these hubs of civilization. And so the draft horses filled that niche very well. So well, in fact, that they became, like I said, some of the more popular breeds until the automobile. Right before World War II, draft horses were still working. And then as tractors came along, they were replaced. As trucks came along, they were replaced. So in modern world, draft horses really don't have a place anymore as working animals as a need or a necessity. Now they, they are still working. They still are doing logging work in certain areas. You still see them pulling carts in towns and cities around the world, uh, carriages. People have maintained their breeds. Many of them went endangered a few hundred. And now you, you have a few thousand left. Thanks to people focused on saving that breed like the Shire horse. But it really was, again, that automobile, that tractor drove draft horses away. And even though we have 60 million horses today and, and they're so important, not just as companion animals and for riding pleasure and things like that, but they still are working animals, you know, throughout the world. But the draft horses just aren't. So that's where you see this, this, this big drop in them. But they're still around. You still see things like the Suffolk Punch. It's a breed developed in England, very popular breed. But again, it, the breed is by the life. But again, the livestock conservancy classifies them as critical. There's only about 2,500. The American cream draft. I never seen one. I hope I do. This is a creamed color horse with that amber eyes. The the one of the most unique color of eyes and horses. So I really hope to see one one day. If any of you have, you are blessed because there's maybe 500 left. Very rare, uh, critically endangered breed. Then you get to the Belgian horse, which many people probably would recognize. The chestnut coat, the flaxen mane and tail. When we say flaxen, think blonde. So lighter manes and tails. I've worked with a couple pulling a feed wagon <laughs> in Texas. That was part of our... Uh, to, to honor them once a week, we would hitch up the team and, and go around and feed our horses with it just to honor, honor the horse and, and back in the day way things were done. These were down to 200, but again, are recovering and there's thousands of them. Then we get to two of the more well-known. And I'm going to save the Shire next because the, the Shire will, will, will lead into 
the largest horse ever. Okay, the Clydesdale. Anheuser-Busch has put Clydesdales on the map. If it wasn't for them, this breed might be extinct or be very rare. They're known as the Budweiser Clydesdales, and, and they originate in Scotland. That's where the, the, the breed originated, but again, exported to the United States. And then in St. Louis, Missouri, where Anheuser-Busch is, that's where they got these Clydesdales. Now, the Clydesdales that we see are massive because Budweiser has bred them. And I can remember the first time being very up close and personal with them. And that was because one of the traveling teams came down to Texas A&M where I was a graduate student and they were boarding at our facility for an event nearby at a Renaissance fair that they were going to be in a parade for. When they pulled up and pulled off the team and stuck these massive Clydesdales in, these were our folding stalls. These are the busy, biggest stalls we had, but they'd gone in and fluffed up all the straw. I mean, just these horses, if there was champagne and caviar for horses, these horses were getting it. They were so well taken care of and loved and they filled up the stalls because they're so big when i got to walk in the trailer air conditioning padded stalls just i i i think there's classical music playing i don't remember but it just very very well cared for that's why these horses just look so great behave so great they were just a dream to be that close to them but to make the team, to make the, the, the cut, there's some things the horse has to have. And first, they have to be a gelding. I'll talk about what happens to the ones that don't make the cut or if it's a mare filly that isn't kept for breeding. But the ones you see pulling the carts and generally in the commercials pulling the carts, they're all geldings. They're all above 18 hands. They have to weigh between 1,800 or 2,300 pounds. They have to be bay, and they have to have four white stockings and that big white blaze down their face. So you can Google them, Budweiser Clydesdales, and you can look at that. And, and they are just gorgeous, just gorgeous, flashy, the white feathering. Like I said, they are a great representation of what a draft horse is supposed to be. For the ones that don't make the cut or they, the fillies and mares that aren't kept or don't star in commercials because a lot of the horses that star in commercials can be a filly or can be a, you know, a young mare. Those are kept on farm. But the ones that don't make the cut, they actually either sell privately or auction off. And on average, they, they go for about $5,000 US. So not too, super expensive. So if you want a Clydesdale, you, know, you can probably get a hold of them and, and find out when there is an auction or something. And you can own a piece of history and it get not just... Budweiser or Anheuser-Busch, I'm talking the history of these animals. They are just so incredible. And that leads me into what I call the champion. I have not worked with Shire horses. I, I really wish I, I could, and, and hopefully one day I, I, I will get to. That's because there's only about 3,000 in the world. And this is the largest horse breed in the world. So out of the 60 million plus horses we have, only about 3,000 are the largest and they're threatened that, you know, it, it's, they were almost extinct in the seventies and eighties. They stand at least 17 
hands. They weigh up almost 2,000 pounds. And they are just incredible workhorses out of England. And then they were exported around the world. So they were a popular draft horse. Again, in the United States, the Percheron was the, was the one that ended up being the most popular by the end of the life of using draft horses on farms. Why do I talk about the Shire? Well, the world record holder for the largest horse in the world, and you have to Google a photo of this, is Samson. He was born in 1846 in the United Kingdom, Bedfordshire. When you see this image, you probably will recognize it. I've seen this as a meme. Probably thought it was fake, but it wasn't. This is a real image of Samson. This was the tallest and heaviest documented horse in history. Samson measured at the withers, okay, at the top of his shoulder, 21.2 and a half hands, which is 2.19 meters or seven feet, 2.5 inches. So I definitely cannot look over his back or withers. It, no mention of his head, like no way. It is said he weighed 3,359 pounds, which is over 1,500 kilograms. I can only imagine his feed bill. So Samson was a beast and just an incredible horse. Gorgeous, well worth a quick Google search on that. Now, that was 170 years ago. What about in the modern era? Is the Shire still the king of big horses? And actually, it's a Belgian. There's two. One just passed away, so I did want to mention him. His name was Big Jake, and some of you may have seen him or seen videos of him. He was a Belgian horse. While he was alive, he was the tallest horse on record. He stood 20.23 quarters hands, so not quite as tall as Samson, about four inches shorter, and weighed about 2,600 pounds or 1,200 kilograms. Now, I joke about how much Samson's feed bill was. Big Jake ate about a bale of hay a day. He was a big boy, but he passed away a couple years ago. So that goes to who's the next big one. What breed? What breed comes to your mind? I mean, when I saw Clydesdales, I thought, oh, gosh, they're the biggest horses ever because they were selectively bred. They're over 18 hands, but they're not. It's another Belgian horse. Zeus is the largest horse today in 2023. Going into 2024, he's 21 hands tall. So that's seven feet or 2.13 meters at the shoulder. Weighs about 3,000 pounds. So he's heavier than Big Jake. And... One of the things, the, the factoids you read about it is they say it takes 30 pounds of steel to make one shoe for them. So that should give you some idea of how massive their hooves are. And I remember seeing draft horse hooves. But that gave him the grip, right? That big hoof. When we say oxen can't walk on frozen fields, but draft horses can, part of it, just that physiology just gave them so much more advantages to any other animal, which leads me into how strong are they? That grip and that strength and that size propels them and gives them the, the horsepower, right? So where do we get horsepower from? So if I had the first question I would have for you, 
How strong? How much do you think one of those draft horses could pull if you had to think weight in pounds? I mentioned Percherons being the most popular, hugely strong, just massive necks, but not quite as tall. 16 hands, right? Like, you know, taller riding horse, 15, 16 hands. It's estimated a Percheron can pull 3,600 pounds, one Percheron. So almost two tons, you put them in a collar and they can pull that. I'm going to tell you they're the weakest and that's a lot. That's a lot. That, that, that is a lot of weight. Your Belgian can do 8,000 pounds. Your Clydesdale can do 8,000 pounds. So that is four tons of weight that they can pull. So maybe being a little bit taller gave them some advantages, but Percherons, there's probably many reasons why they were a bit more popular, not quite as big, probably didn't eat quite as much, could still do the work, could make it easier to travel with them. There was a lot of logging back in the day especially as cities and towns were popping up all over the place. So a lot of forestry work. There's probably many reasons why Percherons were preferred, but they weren't as strong. Strong, but not as strong. Okay. That gives me the Shire, biggest horse in the world. On average, Shires can pull 8,000 pounds. But if you figured, okay, what has this? Okay, 8,000 pounds won. Samson, we don't know how much he could have pulled, but... If I had to go to okay, a competition or a show, what's the world record? How much weight? Maybe double it? Okay. According to author Donna Campbell-Smith in her book, Draft Horses, The Gentle Giants That Built the World, in 1924, a pair of Shire draft horses pulled, get this, 50 tons, 100,000 pounds. Like, what? How did you go from 8,000 on average to 100,000 pounds? And then later on, a different horse pulled 58,000 pounds, setting the world record. This is insane for one animal to pull. That is how strong they were or are. It's, they are super strong. And again, those big feet give them grip and being able to pull that weight and the will. And the, the determination, the, you said the grit, the, the sweat, yeah, you just got to love them. And that led me down this rabbit hole of where did the term horsepower come from? Because we use that a lot today, the vehicles, what's the horsepower of it? Well, not to get too much into this because it is a little uh, mathematics involved. In 1702, Thomas Savory wrote The Miner's Friend, and he said the development of the steam engine provided a reason to compare the output of horses with that of the engines that could replace them. So when they talk about horsepower, they are talking about how much a draft horse can work. It's not a, a, a thoroughbred or an Arabian or another breed. It is the draft horses, the big boys and girls. James Watt and, and other scientists, designers at the time said a horse can pull with the force of 180 pounds so or 800 newtons. And there's this whole complicated equation, how they figured this out. And then it, it, it's been altered through the years. But in general, 
what they all agreed upon was a single draft horse pulling a mill wheel because milling grains and different things for textiles or food back in the day, they would use horses to pull the wheel and that had some force behind it. It was this number, which doesn't probably mean a lot to us, but 33,000 foot pounds per minute is how much horse a horsepower is. Now, what does that translate into automobiles? Because that's something we still use, horses. So we probably use it as a selling technique for automobiles. How many horses is that automobile? What's the power of it? Because it became a a measurement of, of force. As more engines came out, they said, oh, this had more horsepower. It was one. Now it's two. Now it's four or 10 horsepower. This steam engine can do 10 horsepower. Everybody's like, ooh, ah, you know, excited about it. Well, the average for most vehicles around the world is about 180 horsepower. So that is, you can multiply 180 by 33,000 foot-pounds per minute, and that's giving you an idea. So yeah, 180 draft horses is the average car. Smaller cars, 100, 150. Larger cars, 300. So you're saying 300 draft horses, this, the, the horsepower. Right. And I'm just glad that we still honor them today when we talk about pulling or an automobile is basically pulling those wheels or generating force forward, right? To get us from point A to point B. But all in all, when you really sit down and do the mental mapping and and you go back and now understand that black horse of Flanders a thousand years ago, pulling early plows in Europe. The advantage it gave to those peoples to produce more food, pull more food and and goods to markets. And then they expand out to where we get to the Industrial Revolution, where most peoples were, were migrating out of an agrarian lifestyle. Then you think of the advancements that we made to get us to the 20th century was all on the shoulders of draft horses. And I go back, yeah, the riding horses, absolutely 100% changed our history forever, bar none. No other species can compete with the horse, period. I'll have that argument day in, day out. But then when you dilute that down and go, okay, riding horses were critical. Yes. Okay. Draft horses. If it wasn't for them, we'd still be pulling oxen. We wouldn't have gotten more food. We'd have less people in cities. We wouldn't have people on the moon. They would have never been in space. We wouldn't have a space station around us right now if it wasn't for draft horses. We wouldn't have a drone flying around Mars if it wasn't for draft horses. And please tell me I'm wrong. Try to argue with me that I'm wrong. You can't. Because when you really think about it, these beasts of burden, these gentle giants who asked for just some grain and hay, Again, we owe them everything. I know 89% of you roughly will tune into this podcast without posting a review. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please subscribe and rate the podcast on your favorite app, iTunes, Spotify. It makes such a big difference. And then just the next step. 
the gold star is sharing with your friends on social media or your pony clubs in your barns with your writing friends. It means the world to me. I, I hope the passion bleeds through. I am so passionate about these animals. And then I just sit here and I do all the research and I think about my approaches to the podcast. And I get so excited when I think of telling their story and sharing it with you. This time we spend together in an hour. I hope it inspires you. I hope it inspires you to to go find a draft horse and either work with them or if you already do, thank you. You're keeping them going, the the breeds going. They are such special creatures. I mean all horses are, but these especially these gentle giants. I just I resonate with them so much. So so thank you for for doing that. Just a reminder, social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube now, Facebook, you can follow us. We're putting out these stories, doing videos, little clips. I'm out looking for horses to work with other horse owners here and sharing that. Also, you can email me podcast at madbarn.com. You can send me any comments and and let me know your feelings on draft horses or any other topics you might want to hear. Final note, you can always go to madbarn.com, learn tab, articles. We have one on Irish draft horses. Could not talk about them today. We have an overall draft horse breed guide, a Belgium draft horse breed guide. Cleveland Bay, couldn't even talk about them today. Didn't have the time. Suffolk Punch, so many others kicking out those articles all the time but you can go and and read their history a little bit and, and realize there are so many different draft horses out of there like i said a, a little bit over 30 it just depends on where you are in the world of draft breeds but that's out of the 700 so again they are overlooked they really are and we owe them so much so i hope you enjoyed this podcast and stay tuned for another great one next week take care